fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. And we're back. Hi. Hello. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. How's it going? It's good. We're back with Scary Tales. A a podcasting day is always a good day. So if you're joining us now, you've heard Snow White and the Giggling Granny. Hopefully you gave us a five-star review. Hopefully you liked it. Like, subscribe. Subscribe. All the things that we're supposed to say. You've heard Dracula. Yes. The history of Halloween. And today. Today. It's going to be Peter Pan. A classic. A classic. It's not one that Hannah and I watched a lot. As children, I mean, I yeah. saw it, but it wasn't. It wasn't one that I like would watch on repeat. I didn't connect to it. Prob- young probably, boy climbing yeah. in your window, snatching your which that is creepy, and we'll we'll uh-huh. get to that later. Mm-hmm. But I think we decided that this wasn't one of our like childhood favorites because it's not a princess movie, right? You know, when you're younger, you're all about the princess movies. And Hannah, on previous episodes, she didn't get to. She oh, didn't yeah. know at that time what her favorite. Disney I was, movie was. I was just put on the spot, you know. And she needed to think. I about needed it. to think about it, so I've thought about it because I had a friend who was like, "Hey, um, what's your favorite? You didn't say what your favorite Disney movies are." So here we go. When I was younger, mm-hmm. Jungle Book. Which I mean, that's also not a Disney. <laughs> that doesn't even have any girls in it. I want to know loved what, it. what part of your soul connected. Related. I think it was the animals. I think when I was have little, you I wanted seen to be Snow a, White. <laughs> yes, but I think it's. I wanted to be a vet when I was little. Uh huh. And so I think, like, I like seeing all that. Just one with nature out just, in the jungle uh, yeah. doing the things. That's me. Yeah. Favorite Disney princess? I, cliche answer, probably Belle. Yeah, books. But because I'm an she English teacher, books. and mm-hmm. I like books, and she's in the library all the time. That makes sense. I could see that. So those are my, those are two of my ones. And oh. then I said, and then Snow White was the one that scared me the most, because mm-hmm. for reasons that we talked about. Snow White, the scariest. The Snow White episode. Peter Pan, the creepiest. Yeah, Pete, yeah. Snow White's scary. Peter Pan is creepy. And, I f- and listen, I feel bad because I feel like we're kind of like crushing the, you know, childhood dreams dreams and innocence that people had when they watched these movies. And there's a little part of me that feels bad about that. Right. But that's life. That's life. So if you if you love Peter Pan and you don't want to know then, the creepy stuff, then turn this off right turn now. Turn this off. Please don't. Please no, stick around. Yeah. But um, but there's always there's always some weird history or truth behind any story. Any in life. story or anything good in life. You know, there's a little, so, there's something mm-hmm. kind of looming back there. There's a story behind the story. There is, and we're going to tell you about that today. Yes, we are. So, so Lacey, start us off with a quick summary of the. Disney version. Quick summary. The Darlings. They're living in London. There's three kids. There's Wendy, there's John, and there's Michael. Mm -hmm. I said those out of... No. Did I say those out of order? It doesn't matter. There's three of them. There's three of them. One girl, two boys. Uh Uh-huh. And they all live together in a nursery, even though Wendy looks like she's about 13, 
John, probably nine, and then... Yeah, not old enough for it to be called a nursery in terms of what we're picturing as a nursery, like with babies. But I think that's because, which we'll get into this later, Uh I think that's because they didn't, in the book, they're not super wealthy. Mm -hmm. And so they probably just shared all the kids. Yeah, all the kids shared a room. Well, in the movie, the dad is like, when do you need to grow up? So this is your last night in the nursery. So um, she's a little bit sad about that. And she has been telling the boys the story of Peter Pan and the pirates and all of that. She tells them stories every night. Neverland. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know getting kicked out of the nursery and everything else, she really wants to go to Neverland. In the meantime, Peter Pan has actually been creeping on the darling's bedroom. Every night he comes and listens to Wendy's stories. And one of these nights, Nana, the their St. Bernard dog, he bites off Peter Pan's shadow. So Peter Pan comes back to get a shadow one night and he wakes the children up accidentally and um, they meet Peter Pan and he teaches them how to fly and Tinkerbell's there. And Tinkerbell, not a nice... Not a nice fairy. Yeah. She, she doesn't like Wendy. She does not like Wendy. She is a, a little jealous. feisty. She's jealous. She sure is. So he teaches them how to fly, and they head off to Neverland, where there's Captain Hook and the Lost Boys. And, and the crocodile. And the, um, do they call them Indian or savages? I don't, I don't remember. Tiger Whatever Lily. Whatever it is. Yeah, Tiger Lily. It's it's racist. Yes. The whole, yeah. They have literal yeah. red skin. Yes, which we'll talk about that later as well. Sure, sure will. Captain Hook, the whole time, him and Smee are trying to capture Peter Pan to kill him. P- uh, C- Captain Hook doesn't have a hand. He has a hook. Which? And Peter Pan's the reason why. Yes. So he's, he's vengeful. To um, get Peter Pan, they capture Tiger Lily. And as kind of a trap, and uh, it doesn't work out. They Peter Pan ends up saving Tiger Lily. Not a spoiler. Most Disney movies end with a happily ever after. Right. Um, and he presents Tiger Lily back to her dad, the chief, and they meet the, air quotes, Indians. And uh, Tiger Lily, in one scene, actually kisses Peter Pan, and you can see Wendy's jealousy. So Wendy, at some point, has developed fe- feelings for Peter Pan. Oh, I'll talk to you about that later. Uh-huh. Ugh. Weird. It's weird. Um, but Peter Pan really just sees Wendy as this mother figure, um, and that's why he has brought her to the Lost Boys, who are a clan of, it's Peter Pan's clan. They don't have any parents, and he thinks Wendy can be the mother to these boys. Um, he takes them on a bunch of adventures, takes them to Mermaid Lagoon, where Wendy is essentially assaulted by the mermaids. Mm-hmm. More jealous women. Mm-hmm. And in the end, there's a battle, and they defeat uh, Captain Hook, and they take Wendy and the Darlings back to London, where they're reunited with their family. And the dad's like, oh, Wendy, you don't have to move out of the nursery. And I think that's it. happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of young childhood adventures in Neverland. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. So this is the part where we kind of shatter some of the youthful innocence of that story. Shatter your dreams. Are you ready? Sorry. Dream you shatterers. Ready? So the author of this story, his name is um, J.M. Barry, and it started off as a short story, then it became a play, and then it became a book. So okay. it, it grew in... Evolved. Yeah, it evolved into something bigger than what it originally started off as. So it's the original story was called The Little White Bird. Semi-autobiographical 
I think this is the kind of story where someone tells a story and there are some details that are very close to your own personal life mm-hmm. that makes you question if the other details are part of your own personal right. life. So, so um, how it, the little white, how do you get Peter Pan from the little white bird? So it starts off, it's a man, it's a story about a man who is um, obsessed with this little boy. He wants to steal him away from his mother. Um, in order to get the child, he makes up a story um, of Peter Pan and how he, he like makes up the story of how he lost a son. Mm-hmm. He lost a child when he was young as a way to like get close to the parents. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come up later. Um, in the story, Peter Pan is a week old baby. He's not like a, um, he's not a, <laughs> a young, a young lad. He's right. A, he's like a week old baby that slash fairy slash bird. Yeah. Thing. It's really that, strange. Yeah. That's the, the, that's the little white bird is mm-hmm. this little white baby. Basically, um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's this little baby that goes on that leaves home, never grows, never has a birthday, um, flies around, believes that the mom will always have the window open for him to come back. But she doesn't, it, yeah. Um, when he does go back in the end, so similar to the Disney one, when they go, when the Peter Pan goes back with the kids, you know, they're reunited, but in the little white bird. When the little white bird, a.k.a. Peter Pan, goes back, um, the windows are barred, and the mother has another baby. Mm. So she has replaced him. Yeah, and that's where it ends. And that a good ending. And they, no one lives happily ever after. So Yikes. much more dark. And then from this story, so that's the little white bird version, so that's kind of the, the pre, started. pre-version of the Peter Pan version because later his he has a book that is called Peter and Wendy mm-hmm. and that's where Peter's older he's not this infant anymore and he brings along like Wendy and the other kids mm-hmm. as part of the story but a lot of people think this is like quote unquote auto semi autobiographical because he drops a lot of details in that are related to his own life J.M. Barry was born in 1860 he was one of eight I believe Mm-hmm. There were a lot of kids. His older brother, when he was 14, so when the older brother, David, was 14, uh, Jay and Barry, I think, was six years old. So decent age gap between them. Mm-hmm. His brother died. He was in like an ice skating accident, fell, cracked his head open, and died. And mm-hmm. that affected Jay and Barry's mom a lot. Of course. Which, yeah, the death of a child will will affect the parents greatly. But it also affected... J.M. Barry. From that moment on, the mom kind of spiraled mentally. She kept saying stuff like she found comfort in the fact that David would remain a boy forever. So she was kind of picturing like if you died when you were 14, you would stay 14 for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. she tried to kind of grieve that by saying, I'm glad that he'll be a, a, a young boy for forever. And I think that's where J.M. Barry kind of latched onto that. And had this idea of this being young and innocent for mm-hmm. forever. Forever young. Forever young. So he carries that on with him into his adulthood. In 1894, he gets married to an actress um, as part of their wedding present. He gave her a St. Bernard. So this is where the dog, Nana, comes Aww, in. That's cute. Uh, they never had any kids. So he was one of eight, but sh- they never had any kids. Some people 
suggests that it's because they never consummated their marriage. Mm-hmm. He had, obviously, he had some of this weird childlike psyche. And some people say it was because they had a bad relationship. So some, some it's his kind of more focused on him. And some people say it's more focused on them together. Six years into his marriage, and he wrote a story called Tommy and Grizzell. Tommy and Grizzell. Kind of sounds like Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> it does. Um, but in that he wrote, Grizzell, I seem to be different from all other men. There seems to be some curse upon me. You are the only woman I ever wanted to love, but apparently I can't. So maybe, well, so never mind. I'm going to keep it PG. Uh, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep things relatively PG What here. I was going to say was maybe he might have an ED. Yeah. Well, and because it could be this childhood trauma uh-huh. that causes him to like care for someone but not to be able to be romantically involved with someone Could especially be. if he thinks you know that he's young like if he's got this young childhood yeah. psyche for forever mm-hmm. listen y'all can deep dive into that as much as you want but we're yep. going to leave it right there and tell you that they got divorced not too long after that not surprised so that's kind of where you get some of the child being a child forever from mm-hmm. his brother dying you get the dog from his wedding present to his wife Mm -hmm. um kensington gardens your setting comes from he mentions kensington gardens in his peter pan stories and that he visited kensington garden gardens a lot that's a real place Mm -hmm. it's in near london's hyde park so big park big garden add it to our list we always have a running list of places we're gonna visit we do so this is a real place and a place he would have visited frequently this is where he met George and Jack Davies, um, two young boys. They're five and four years old. They were walking around with their nurse. They, like wet nurses used to be a big thing back then, like nurses that would take care of their That's not like kids. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost I like nannies. I like the word wet nurse. Nannies. Let okay. Me, let me, I'll put it that way. Nannies? Nanny dolls. Na- well, yeah. Throw That's where the name nanny comes from. Mm-hmm. He met these two boys. He met George and Jack Davies in Kensington Gardens. He saw them there a lot, kind of just befriended them, which, creepy. Yeah. He's just walking around the gardens, hanging out with kids. Mm-hmm. If you see a man in a park without children, because remember, he and his wife never had kids, mm-hmm. then you should be creeped out. Yep. His parents, their parents, though, you'll find out, were not that creeped out. Yeah, his parents, um, the Davies' parents didn't care. They kind of um, like welcomed him in. He became so close to them that they referred to him as Uncle Jim. So he became super close with them, Mm -hmm. which a lot of times people who want kids and can't have kids will get close to a family like that. Right. But this one just felt creepier. Mm -hmm. Because he found them in the park. Yeah, because it wasn't like, oh, I know you outside of randomly running into you in a children's park. (laughs) Right. In one of his, I, I can't remember which of his versions of his Peter Pan story, but when he wrote about, he wrote about some kids and the name was super close to Davies. Mm. So it was like he changed he likes like one to letter. Use real life yeah. examples. Um, in The Little White Bird, so that's kind of where your setting comes from, Kensington Gardens. Mm-hmm. In The Little White Bird, you get some weird vibes between the author and the main character. We, we kind of see that more now. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I think when people were reading the story back then, they wouldn't have kind of noticed it. But 
the boy in the book is named David. So that's David is like one letter off from Davy. Right. This it's the story where someone pretend the main character pretends to have a son of his own who died, mm-hmm. and that's why he claims he's like befriending these boys is because he, he lost missed, his son. he lost his son, which. I don't know if anyone ever proved that that's what J.M. Barry did to the Davies. Like, if he told them, oh, I had a son who died, and that's why they were like, oh, come on in, Uncle Jim. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone's ever proved that, but that's like, that's the conspiracy. That's the assumption. Mm-hmm. And he also, the Davies brothers also had um, three other brothers, Peter, Michael, and Nico. So, yeah. Michael yep. is a name in Peter. Peter yeah. Peter. Mm-hmm. So, just weird. Weird vibes. There's a man named um, Andrew Birkin who wrote J.M. Barry and the Lost Boys. So he kind of wrote a biography about J.M. Barry and kind of the, the story behind the story. And he argues that he doesn't think that Barry was a sexual predator of children, even though those are totally the, vibe, totally the vibes we're getting. He mm-hmm. focuses more on kind of the psychological like trauma that he said. He said, he quote, um, that Barry was a lover of childhood but was not in any sexual sense the pedophile that some claim him to have been. Mm. So did he have some psychological like trauma mm-hmm. and did that kind of play out in weird ways? Clearly. Yes. yes. Um, is it as you know intense as we kind of picture it to be? Maybe not. I think this this author says not. There's, there's tons of research on this. Mm-hmm. I did not realize how much research there was on this until we sat down to look at it. Other people, uh, especially there's a guy named Piers Dungeon, Dudgeon, Dungeon. D-U-D-G-E-O-M. Mm-hmm. He wrote a biography, again, called Neverland, J.M. Barry and the Demars and the Dark Side of Peter Pan. I need to read that. Yeah, so it, he, he leans to the other side. He mm-hmm. goes the dark, the dark side. Um, he brings up evidence that Barry was more attached to the Davies than just friendship. And he and he he brings up some damning evidence. Uh, there are some letters. <laughs> Listen, this is going to be our generation with text messages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So back then, letters that you wrote mm-hmm. could come back and haunt you. Today, it's going to be people's like tweets and stuff. But <laughs> he found some letters that Barry wrote to Michael Davies. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> you already know it's gonna be bad. And that's, then they—he says that Michael was apparently Barry's favorite of the Davies children. Yikes! What so did it, what on did it his say? on his eighth birthday? So this is ni- June nineteen oh eight. Barry wrote, <clears throat> "Quote: oh, I don't even want to." <laughs> Um, quote, I wish I could be with you and your candles. You can look on me as one of your candles, the one that burns badly. That's not even the bad part. <laughs> the greasy one that is bent in the middle. Oh, but still, hurrah, I am Michael's candle. I wish I could see you putting on the Redskins clothes for the first time. And then later, he ends the letter with, Dear Michael, I'm very fond of you, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> So, no I need to that, break. I think that's all the evidence you need. Really? So, what if anytime you're a greasy candle and you're bent I, in the middle? I don't even want to talk about that part. Okay. But metaphors, you know. Mm-hmm. Candles for birthday. Okay, that's maybe what he was talking about, but I don't know where you're going. Okay. I mean, I think I have an idea of where he's going. But. Yes. 
Um, Let's not dwell on it. No, we're not going to dwell on it. Um, I don't know if he gave him some like Native American costume clothes as a as a birthday, and that and he's but he's like try it on, Michael. But if someone's talking to you about trying wanting to watch you try on clothes, which and also this is a you know he was super racist and in his explanation of them, but this is part of where they you see Native American like connection to the Peter Pan story. Mm-hmm. But anytime someone talks to you about wanting to, to watch a kid, an eight-year-old, try on clothes, and I'm fond of you but don't tell anybody, not red flags. <laughs> Just <laughs> shooting up. Mm-hmm. A lot of red flags. Kind of two different modes of thinking. Some people think it's not as, it's not as sinister as it sounds, and then other researchers say, oh, no, yes, it is. I mean, if I had a child, I wouldn't let my child hang out with them. Right, unless, and that's why I kind of think that maybe he did the same thing that he wrote about his character doing, and he told them that they he had a son that died, Mm -hmm. and they felt bad for him, and that's why they let him so get so close, so close, in fact, that he later the parents die of natural causes, which Mm -hmm. one of them died of cancer. I think they both died of cancer. Mm -hmm. Cancer of the jaw. Never heard of that. The dad died of cancer of the jaw. And the mom died of lung cancer. But he ended up kind of tricking his way into becoming their guardians after the parents died. Mm -hmm. So the mom wrote in in a letter or a document, some kind of legal document, what I would like would be if Jenny, and I think that was like an aunt, if Jenny would come to Mary and the other two together would be looking after the boys in the house. So, um, I think Mary was the nanny and Jenny was the aunt. Mm-hmm. So two women. Mm-hmm. But Barry got hold of the letter first, and some say that he changed the word Jenny to Jimmy, mm-hmm. making it sound making like it he sound was like he guardian. was the guardian. Is it intentional? Is it a convenient accident? Or I don't. It's, I mean, he's a greasy candle with Ben in the middle. So I don't. I don't. It, it's sketchy to okay. say the least. Um, positive note, though, mm-hmm. when he died, when when Jay and Barry died, he kind of. Re- so this is all a little sketchy, but he kind of redeemed himself in the end. That when he died. He left the rights of Peter Pan to like a children's hospital. That's, so that's nice. Redeeming quality in Good the job. end. Good job. Tragic, else. tragic childhood. Mm-hmm. Creepy adulthood. Mm-hmm. Deathbed moment redeems himself in the end by leaving all of his fortune to a children's hospital. Right. And um, I've read several places. I don't know what exactly is fact, but Disney and this hospital have fought over who owns the rights and what can be what Disney could use and there's kind of a battle there but listen Disney I, I think, Disney I think he, redid the whole story anyway so right <laughs> and you've got a couple other stories you've got claimed to so maybe let mm-hmm. the hospital have this one yeah 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 so after all this happened and J.M. Barry is dead the story of the boys going forward there's a lot of tragedy yeah this yeah it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the the kennedys and the the curse of the 
Kennedy oh, and family. All, this, all mm-hmm. like weird stuff happens. All the boys in 1915. George, who was the oldest of the Davies boys, he was killed in World. I can't say World War. World War One. Goodness. Goodness. Um, he was fighting with his regiment in Flanders. The death of his brother caused Michael and Barry to grow even closer. Oh, so I guess... So, oh, so not all of these happened after. Right. Oh. So George died before um, Jay and Jay Barry, Barry died. Did. Sorry, I jumped ahead in the story. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So Michael and Barry are growing even closer. And Which Michael's the one he wrote the letter to, mm-hmm. the candle letter. They're already pretty close, I assume. Yeah. Greasy candle bent, mm-hmm. bent looking. <laughs> Michael actually left home to go to college um, where he had a hard time adjusting, which I could see that. Yeah. You got some strange things going on at home. You're thrust into the real world. Don't say thrust in this episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was placed. There you go. He, he was noted to be troubled, antisocial, but he did become very close to a uh, man named Rupert Buxton. He was the son of a decorated baronet. Which so is that's a very British. So he was like a thing, a, um, trust fund guy. Yeah, yeah sounds yeah, like yeah. it. And the rumor is that they became very close, Davies and the Buxton guy, and this gets so weird and tragic. In 1921, David Davies and Rupert were found drowned together in a Sanford pool, which is a body of water a few miles from Oxford. And some reports say that the bodies were found clinging to each other, and theories on how and why they died, uh, speculated many different ways, as most stories are, but some believe that they were lovers and it was a suicide pact. And later, his brothers Nico and Peter would give interviews and they said that they also believed it was suicide. It was a suicide pact. So moving on from okay, Michael. So, so one, that's one one Davies boy killed in the war. Mm-hmm. One died in a suicide died in a pact suicide in a pool. drowning. Uh, later, Peter Davies, he actually became a, a, <laughs> he became a successful publisher, and many of the letters between Michael and Barry, uh, he destroyed them because they were embarrassing. Yeah. He didn't want anybody else reading about the greasy candlestick. Peter was quoted as saying, calling Peter Pan that terrible masterpiece. Many people, including Peter's son, Ruthven, imply that the unwanted fame of Peter Pan drove Peter to become an alcoholic. Because he probably, people probably associated Peter Davies with Peter Pan. Yeah. Like, you've got names that are super similar. Peter, mm-hmm. Peter, Davies, David, yeah. Michael, Michael. Mm-hmm. In 1960, uh, sadly, Peter threw himself under a subway train in London, committing suicide. Okay, so that's three now. One mm-hmm. killed in the war that kind of set off. Potent- then there's two suicides after that, alleged suicides. Right. Okay, there's still there's still um, one more, right? Nico. Mm-hmm. Nico. Uh, I'm not sure how he he died, but he was quoted as saying, "I don't believe Uncle Jim ever experienced what one might call a stirring in the undergrowth for anyone, man, woman, adult, or child." So he was just saying he essentially that he was asexual. That Jay and Barry was asexual, I which, guess. Which could potentially explain why he didn't, he and his wife never had kids, why they didn't, their marriage didn't last very mm-hmm. long. So he kind of is trying to redeem Jay and Barry's name. Barry himself died in 1937 of pneumonia. And like Hannah said, he left the copy of Peter Pan to the Great Ormond Street Hospital, which is a hospital for children, and they still own the rights to Peter Pan. 
So I do think, I mean, again, troubled past, creepy adulthood, mm-hmm. tro- troubled childhood, creepy adulthood, redeems himself in the end by trying to leave right. this little hospital. He later wrote that the true meaning of Peter Pan came from, he quoted, he's quoted as saying, a desperate attempt to grow up but can't. And in 1904, like you said, the story became a play, which was Peter Pan or the boy who could not grow up. And then in 1911, the play became a book and it was originally titled Peter Pan and Wendy, but soon became known as Peter Pan. So now we were going to talk about the differences between Disney's Peter Pan movie and the book. Mm-hmm. In the book, the children leaving for Neverland was not because of Wendy moving out of the nursery and growing up. They just wanted to go to Neverland in the book. Yeah, and she... I think we kind of touched on this earlier. They, I think, were all living in the same room. All the kids are living in the same room because they maybe didn't have as much money. The, the whole thing starts off like it gives you the weird history of the husband and wife. And mm-hmm. he, every time she gets pregnant, he's like crunching numbers and is like, it, it says something about how he doesn't know if they can keep the children. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> she can give, give him away. Um, but he's like all about the finances. And so, mm-hmm. I think they also kind of relied on Wendy to look after the kids a lot. Like they, they didn't have enough money to pay a nurse, which right. is why they had Nanny, the mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. In the book, On the Way to Neverland, uh, Peter Pan actually disappears several times. He veers off course and gets lost. And every time he returns and he finds the darlings, he doesn't remember them. Yeah, he's totally forgotten. Uh-huh. It reminds are. me of Dory, yes. Finding Nemo. And uh, he, Wendy actually finds this pretty annoying in the book. And rewind before they even leave the house. When she gets there, um, they kiss. Did you know that? No. <laughs> so chapter one of the book, like I've only I've only listened to the first couple of chapters. Um, I've done research, but I've only been like able to read the first couple of chapters. But chapter one, it tells you about the mom and dad and how they got together. Chapter two, it kind of sets up. Wendy and the boys or whatever. Chapter three, Peter Pan shows up mm-hmm. and Wendy's like, Let me give you a kiss. Ooh. And saucy. Peter Peter Pan's like, he doesn't he doesn't even know what a kiss is. I bet he doesn't. He's like, What is that? And she was like, You don't know. So they literally kiss on their first date. There you they, go. They they kiss chapter three. Like they meet, And they don't kiss they at all in the movie. No, of course not. They meet, they kiss, and then he takes them off to Neverland and then he forgets who she is like five seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> so, um just Throwing that one Just out there. side note. Just side note. Um, in the book, Wendy is shot down by the Lost Boys, so she's shot, and they do this because Tinkerbell told them to. She Tinkerbell told yeah. them, "Peter Pan wants you to shoot down Wendy because Tinkerbell so she, hates Wendy." Uh huh. Yeah. And they they shoot her, and they pretty much store her in what's called a Wendy house while they nurse her back to health. And a Wendy house is still a term they use in the UK, and that's their term for playhouse. Playhouse isn't like a theater? No, like a kid's playhouse. Oh. That you, you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I want to Wendy house. I want to Wendy house. In the book and the play, Peter murders pirates easily, without a care. Ruthless. Yeah, no, no remorse. But in the book, we also learn that Peter Pan... Kills the Lost Boys. Yeah. Yeah, can, this one creeped me on. out. I can hear the litter robot going in the background. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> it's going... I can't hear the litter robot. 
Um, so sorry if you hear that. It's Litter Robot. Hashtag sponsor us, Litter it's Robot. Our, uh, our podcast. Mm-hmm. Regan, our mascot. Our mascot used the litter robot. It's going off. You can hear it. I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll so keep it. Peter kills the lost boys in the book to, quote unquote, thin the herd. Or because they are growing it, up and once they are grown, he, he no longer has. Around. Yeah. Yeah. He, he no longer has use for them, so he kills them. It's, he also yes. periodically alters their bodies to fit into, I don't know if you remember the movie, They their underground burrow is under this tree and there's a bunch of holes mm-hmm. in the tree. And so I guess in the book, to, so the boys will fit into these holes in tight spaces, he cuts off parts of their body. Which, don't want to psycho, psychologically analyze that one. Nope. But, I, um, yeah, because Peter Pan's the only one who doesn't continue to grow up in the story. Mm-hmm. All the other lost boys, they age. And so... And and supposedly where he got the Lost Boys from was in Kensington Park. The kids that were with their parents, if they like wandered away from their parents, he would snatch them up and like take them. Those were the Lost Boys. Oh, your parents abandoned you? Like, Mm -hmm. come with me. I'll take care of you. Right. In the book, he did not... He, he was not a good father, which, no. which he is, has the attention span of a goldfish. So. Right. He literally forgets who Wendy is while uh-huh. he's on the way to Fair- Neverland. And that's kind of why he took her, because he thought she would be able to take good care of them. Mm-hmm. Which clearly he needed help, because he, he couldn't did. take good care of them. He would give them pretend meals or just forget to feed them. Because he, he, he doesn't know what anything is. When right. she offers to give him a kiss when they first meet, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what that is. And so she gives him a, th- a thimble. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, thanks for the kiss. Oh. And maybe then, he thought it was a Hershey kiss. No. A metal Hershey kiss. A metal. Well, and then she asks him for a kiss, and he gives her an acorn. Well, and see, she, Hershey and, kiss. These are all items puts, that look like a Hershey kiss. She puts the acorn on a necklace around her neck. So like, he doesn't know what anything is. Uh-huh. They're talking about kissing, and they're exchanging thimbles and acorns. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to give you a thimble for Christmas you give me an acorn apparently so I haven't finished reading the book so I'm probably a horrible podcaster Mm -hmm. the original book but when he when she puts the acorn around on a necklace around her neck it says something like and this is important because later it'll save her life oh okay so I gotta figure out what happens there you do you keep us updated. I will. I'll, I'll I'll tell you about the ending of the book in a Patreon episode. There you go. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> the Lost Boys and the Darling Children face danger in the book and the movie, but the book, Peter really likes the danger of uh, these finding the pirates and everything else. He doesn't find it frightening. He finds it exhilarating. So he always saves them, but it's not so much... To help them, it's more because it will give him another opportunity to it's like a thrill. see him them in danger. Yeah, like he likes like the high of it. Mm-hmm. In the Gross. book, like you said, in the book, Wendy confesses her love to Peter Pan, but he tells her that he thinks of her as his mom. So she's Ouch. not she's not friend zoned. No, she's mom zoned. Mom zoned. Dang. In yeah. The, in the book. Peter Pan is stranded on the same rock as Tiger Lily, which this doesn't happen in the movie, um, and he is unable to fly. So um, he was injured by Hook. He's left on this rock like Tiger Lily, and then some bird like gives him her nest, and she somehow makes it back ashore on the bird's nest. Well, again, the little white bird. Yeah. Jane Barry yeah. liked birds. A lot of bird symbolism in the, in the original. In the book, 
there is a battle between the Lost Boys and the Pirates, the same as the movie. But in the book, the Lost Boys kill all but two of the pirates. So they just wipe them clean. Yeah, because you never really see... It's only Hook and Smee in... The Peter Pan version, right? There's there a couple more? other ones, but it's mainly... But they, don't, but they don't get killed. Right. There's not... Correct. Does anyone die in the Disney version? Peter... No. Even um, Captain Hook, he... The crocodile chases him off, but you don't and see you him don't get see eaten. Him die. Yeah. But in the book, he... Um, another difference. Right. The book, Hook dies. The crocodile eats him alive, so... Yeah, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Disney took out, took out all the... Uh, Romance, mm-hmm. all the making out, and yeah. all the uh, death, death, all there the killing people. That's what they do. In the book, the Lost Boys are raised by Wendy's parents into adulthood, and Peter promises Wendy to take her back to Neverland every spring for spring cleaning. Which <laughs> that that why did she agree to? I don't know. That made me chuckle. The, <laughs> the sexism there. Hey, come on back once a year so you can clean her house. The problem with that is, like we said earlier. Peter Pan, no memory. He for, Yeah, he forgets about her. So he, he forgets about her, and after only two years of visiting her, he forgets completely, and he doesn't return until Wendy is 25, and he has already forgotten completely about Tinkerbell and Hook and Neverland. Doesn't even remember. He has forgotten his entire story. Right. <laughs> he makes a deal with Wendy to take her daughter Jane to Neverland every year. And there's a movie about that. Mm-hmm. We yeah. need to watch Peter Pan, too. There's Why? a Peter Peter Pan 2. We'll do the movie review. Yeah, we'll do a movie review of that mm-hmm. on Patreon because I've never seen that one. Me either. I, I can't imagine it's good. Mm-hmm. Me, no, no sequel. No, no, no thank you. sequels to Disney movies are ever very good, but we'll still give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and then he also makes the same promise to Jane's daughter, Margaret. Oh. Mm-hmm. So there's potentially a third movie? Oh, listen, if there's a Peter Pan 3 and it's all about Peter Pan and Margaret... I'm just... Um, I'm not here probably, for it. Probably not going to watch that one. So, yeah. The the movie's all fun and games and everybody lives happily ever after. And, and the book is death and mutilation and starvation and... And... Disturbing, yes. to say the least. Sorry for... Sorry for shattering... Sorry for ruining your childhood your dreams. Your childhood dreams. But it is a little weird. Just a little bit. Greasy candlestick. Greasy candlestick. Bit in the middle. Somebody light my flame. <laughs> that you can't you can't let go of the candle. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay and Barry. I need I need a little life. a little cleanser. You need a you need a palate cleanser. I a, do. Uh, I need a little snack snack break. A little snack break. So how about we do that and we come back and I'll tell you the true crime and it's I bet you already you may already have some ideas about of where we're going. Yes. Peter After, Pan Neverland. True After crime. snack break, we'll go to Neverland. Okay, here we go. Snack. Wait, no. Uh, I've tried to do a different version. Let's no, just I like say, the snack break. It's a snack. Okay, today. Today, my aunt is like our number one fan. Of this podcast, we love her. Her name's Stacy, Stacy and Lacey, Stacy and Lacey, and oh, she keeps cute podcast. Uh huh. She keeps sending me uh, these gifts in the mail, and I keep forgetting that she's sending me these gifts anonymously. So I'll get this package, and I'm like, "Did I wake up in the middle of the night and order, order this?" So it's always her, and I'm, we're very appreciative. She sent us some crunch and munch, two different kinds of crunch and munch. Uh huh. So the I, I don't particularly like the plain crunch and munch. I think it has like raisins in it or something. Oh, but these look good. This is birthday cake 
and cookies and cream. All right, you take birthday cake and tell me and what I it says. And I purposefully didn't open They're it, not open. So. I'm shocked. Because Lacey texted me about this quite a while ago. I held ago, it off for you. And she, she just sent me a picture and was like, someone just sent me this. Mm-hmm. And a little creeped out at first because, you know, when people send you food just randomly with no, with no note, yeah, mm-hmm. you get worried. But then she was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's my aunt. Uh-huh. So, so tell us I about... Left, well, I left the thing on so we can ASMR. Here we go. But let's taste it. Like, let's both taste a birthday and then right. let's both taste okay, it. Okay, tell us, tell us what birthday. It, it, it gives you an explanation on the front of what it, it is. It is cake batter flavored popcorn mixed with mini sugar cookies and rainbow sprinkles. That sounds like me. Oh, That sounds like me and a popcorn. Goodness. Here we go. You get one and we'll put it in our mouth at the same time. That's okay. what she said. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. Ready? Ready? One, two, three. Mmm. Oh, my. Mmm. That's really good. So they're popcorn clusters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kind of tastes like Cracker Jacks. Uh-huh. But birthday flavored. Very crunchy. Mm-hmm. The sprinkles add another little crunch to it. Yeah. Oh. I would give that a 9 out of 10. That's really good. I'm not getting the mini sugar cookie. Well, probably just because the whole thing tastes like sugar. No, true. All right, and then now we got cookies, cookies and cream, and cream which I'm is still what, eat my birthday. You wanna? Sorry, mm-hmm. do you wanna mm-hmm. go over mm-hmm. what that is? Cookies and cream, popcorn clusters, white chocolate glazed popcorn with chocolate cookie crumbles and Dutch cocoa cookies. Dutch, fancy yeah. Dutch chocolate cocoa. Okay, we're we gonna taste it. All right, so the others. Okay, this one's got some chocolatey goodness in it. Give me just one. We just want one Dutch chocolate. Here we go. Okay, this is cookies and cream. Raise it up. good i like the birthday cake better you mm-hmm. i kind of like the cookies and cream better i don't think i got one with enough get one with a lot of chocolate on it, on it. If they're both delicious mm-hmm. mm. i would recommend these oh 100 nine out of ten what would, what would make it a 10 out of 10 for you um i mean i don't know you just you're just, just saving I like it for that. Yeah. yeah. You're just saving it for that. Oh, the, I do know what would make it a 10 out of 10. What? There's this little place um, down the road that ha- has fried banana pudding. That's and your every only... time I eat it, it makes me want to cry. It's so phenomenal. So if it brings tears to your eyes, yeah. that's a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. for you. Okay. Also, when our snack break, oh. Hannah got us some coffee. You want to tell us that story? <laughs> sure. Um, I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I hopped on the, the TikTok trend, even mm-hmm. though I don't have TikTok. Right. So some irony there and i got us the uh charlie drink mm-hmm. charlie is a tiktoker charlie's a tiktoker and she's always drinking this drink so Lacey said that that's what she likes so i was like i'm gonna get some coffee what do you want and that's what she said and i went to the dunkin donuts drive through mm-hmm. and i asked for the charlie drink and the guy was like what and i said you know that drink that the tiktok girl drinks mm-hmm. and he was like a strawberry refresher no, sir. It's on your menu. It says the Charlie. It's and your new said, um, No. I mean, he eventually got it right. He eventually figured Because I didn't even know what to explain. Like, I didn't even know what to say it was. Because I literally had no idea mm-hmm. what it was. Because I don't have TikTok. So, um, he eventually figured out what it was. He was it's like, oh, good. the Charlie. Yeah. And I, we're like, yeah, I the stutter? first thing I said. Did I stutter? Did I stutter, sir? Give me my Charlie. So, it's good. And it's really good. I it's like very it sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet coffee. Sweet snack. Snack we break. Like, we, like, we like sugary things. We do. Hey, if you guys have any ideas for snack breaks, 
Let us know. Let us know. Um, thank you, Stacy, for these snacks. Yes, thank you so much. Crunch and Munch. You can probably find them. I think she probably got them on Amazon. Yeah. Order them on Amazon. Crunch and Munch. Crunch and Munch. Crunch and Co- cookies and cream. Crunch and Munch. And birthday cake. Crunch and Munch. All right. You ready for some weird yeah. stuff? Ready to go to Neverland? All right. Here we go. Here we go. We're not back. Hannah's on Instagram. I, no, I'm, I'm back. Okay, she's back. I am posting on our Instagram. Multitasking. So I am trying to multitask. I so. haven't had anything to eat, and I'm drinking a large Charlie from Dunkin', so... Um, we probably should take a bathroom break instead of a snack break. True crime. Lacey brings us some true crime. I want to know, when you comment later on, if you guessed what true crime we're talking about. And it's not true crime... Well, I was going to say it's not true crime as in murder true crime, but... It is. So there's a disclaimer to the mm-hmm. second half of this. I'm just I'm just gonna hit you with that quote. Yeah, start us off with a quote. Okay. And then we'll go into the disclaimer. I'm not gonna do any voices because there's no need. Okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Because Peter Pan to me represents something that's very special in my heart. It represents youth, childhood, never growing up, magic, flying, everything I think that children and wonderment and magic what it's all about. And to me, I have just never grown out of that way of thinking that it's very special. I am Peter Pan. I am Peter Pan in my heart. And that's a quote by Michael Jackson, people. That's what we're doing today. We're doing Michael we're Jackson. talking about Michael Jackson. So disclaimer. Huge no disclaimer. Huge disclaimer. No solid evidence has ever been found to prove that Michael Jackson's guilty of child molestation. Mm-hmm. So these are only allegations. He was so. acquitted. He was acquitted. These are all allegedly. These are everything. Just put the word allegedly in front of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it every time. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. In your know. mind. Put it up. But it's obviously a super clear connection because that quote from Michael Jackson about Peter Pan and Neverland. Neverland Ranch. It so. doesn't get clearer than that. So. And there's Tell us. And there's weird stuff that happens. So there, there is. Allegedly. And um, there's kind of two camps of people that think he is um, guilty and those that think he is innocent. And I think when you're as talented as he was, you your judgment can kind of get skewed on not wanting him to be the bad guy. Yeah. Or he could have not been the bad guy. We'll let you decide. Yes. We're just going to bring you what information, mm-hmm. some research, and you can kind of decide. Right. <laughs> Are you familiar with Michael Jackson? It, m- not as much as I should be. Well, I mean, music, yes. So everybody knows who Michael Jackson is, uh, the king of pop. He did not have a great childhood, which I don't think is a, a secret. His father was really controlling and... Uh, he had to work all the time. The Jackson Five just didn't have a normal childhood. Mm-hmm. So I can see where that much like Jay and Barry didn't have a normal mm-hmm. childhood. Michael Jackson didn't have the easiest childhood. Mm-hmm. So I can see where he would have an obsession with wanting to main cho- maintain a childhood that he never had, or give a, a wonderful childhood to some to one, other people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I didn't get this, so I, I want to try to give it to somebody mm-hmm. else. So I can see that. Mm-hmm. However, there's a line. There are things that happen. Yes. There's um, a line that gets crossed. And then 
there's other things that happen after these other things happen that, that continue to happen and it's just like okay it happens once okay if it happens more than once like let's let's not let's rethink let's things. rethink things so tell us about some of these things that happen 1992 this is where his some of the first of his legal troubles start he jackson meets a 12 year old boy named jordan chandler who is famously known in the media as Jordy. So what happened is Michael Jackson's car breaks down in Los Angeles, and he enlisted the help of a rental car agency, which was confusing to me because I figured if you're Michael Jackson, you just go to the car line, and you're like, give me those bins. You buy whatever car you want. Right. He did not. He went to this rental car agency, and that is where he met Evan Chandler. That is Jordan Chandler's father. Okay. So, oh, I'm out of breath. I think it's the coffee. <laughs> the coffee's hitting this. The, co- the coffee's making my heart go fast. I'm out of breath. And I'm just sitting here. Evan Chandler calls his wife and is like, you'll never believe this. Michael Jackson has called and needs a rental car. And I need you to bring Jordan and the family down here to meet the Michael Jackson. Yeah, as anybody would. Mm-hmm. I, you know who that, that would be for me would be Johnny Depp. Oh, you love Johnny Depp. I would be in that car in a second. Oh, I know you would. I would break all the speed limits. Yep. Break all the laws. Yep. They get the, the mom brings Jordy down to the car place. He gets to meet Michael. And Michael stays in touch with the family. And him and Jordan start to form a close relationship. Like I said, calls him Jordy, gives him a nickname. And they start speaking on the phone regularly. In 1993, Jackson invited Jordy and his family to stay at the Neverland Ranch. Have you seen Neverland Ranch? Pictures of it? It's been a while. I'm about to look it up. Look it up while I'm telling you. Yeah, keep telling. I'm going to look up Neverland. It looks beautiful. Um, And I have some some facts about Neverland Ranch. It was actually on a 2,700 square foot, or not square foot, (laughs) Um, excuse me. It was on a 2,700 acre property yeah it's huge ginormous it was actually in los olivos at, i think that's how you say it california okay. so um a little far farther from la there was a french and normandy style main residence and then there were two guest houses so keep that in mind two guest houses where guests could have stayed right and let me just go ahead and say those guest houses are probably bigger than my house and your house combined absolutely there was also a 50-seat movie theater, a lake, a 14-foot lagoon-style pool, a dance studio, barns, and a Disney-themed train station. Yeah, what more do you want? And there was also an amusement park, little tiny Game amusement room, park. Mm-hmm. secret bedroom. <laughs> That's what, I just found a picture. Mm-hmm. And um, there was also... Teepees and Indian Fort. Yep, Peter Pan. See? Uh-huh. And a bunch of exotic animals he had. You know me. If that would have been me as a child, I would have seen the animals and said, yes, yeah. sir, I will come with you. Yeah. I mean, any child, this is any childhood's right. child's dream, dream place. Right. Jackson purchased the house in 1987 for $19.5 million. Doggy. <laughs> oh, doggy. Oh, doggy. That's a lot this of is money. an interesting fact. Kim Kardashian actually had her 14th birthday party at Neverland Ranch. What? And said it was like the most magical place on earth, which... Yeah, it I looks can see like that. it. Yeah, it does. It looks really cool. The house itself is twelve thousand five hundred and ninety-eight square feet. It has five bedrooms and eight bathrooms. So you got lots of room for who? Might I ask? <laughs> um, I don't know at what point he had the three children. You know, 
Paris yeah. Blanket and I forget the other one's name. I just remember Blankets. How can you forget a name like Blanket? Um, anyway, I digress. They invite Jordy, 1993, and on his first visit, it's just Jordy, his mom, and his sister, and on the first visit, they do stay in the guest house. Okay. That makes so, sense. Their whole family comes. You can stay in the side house to the house. Mm-hmm. They come the first time. They keep coming back. They become frequent guests of Jackson's, and they do more than just go to Neverland Ranch. He also takes them to Disneyland, and... He, this is literally, was my childhood dream. He would take Jordy to Toys R Us and just say, anything you want. And the store was closed down just for them. Just anything you want. I do wonder what goes through your mind if you're the parent at that point, though. I, I mean, it would, if the alarms aren't setting off now, right. later they definitely should Right, because I get like, oh, come, you know, come see the ranch once. Like, oh, that was a cool experience. But like, you keep going back and now you're like buying stuff for my child. Mm-hmm. It gets stranger. I'm so. sure. Just buckle in. Uh, one time, Jackson flies Jordy and his mom and his half sister out to Las Vegas, where they stay in a hotel. And according to Vanity Fair, Jackson and Chandler share one bed, while the boys' family members sleep in a separate bedroom. And this was apparently the first time that Jordy and Jackson slept in the same bed. Ew. I I was just wondering because Chandler, Chandler's their last name. Mm-hmm. So so he just slept in the bed. He and Jordy. He and Jordy it. shared a bed. Just uh, him and the parents stayed and in he's another room at this point. Yeah. He's, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't. I don't want to point fingers at the mom, but or the dad, but what? What do you? Right, I, that's what I'm saying. As a parent, I don't know, like, what's going through your mind. You're like, oh yeah, sure, buy my kid things and sleep in the same room as him. No, oh, thank you. Okay, it's not what I would do. No, um, I mean we don't have kids, so we don't know. But I'm pretty sure but we had a great idea. Feel like yeah, yeah. That's not the wisest. So eventually, Jackson flies Chandler, his mom, and his half sister out to Las Vegas, where they stay in a hotel. The only thing is, Jackson and Chandler share a room, and his family members stay in another room. And this is apparently the first time that Jordy and Michael Jackson slept in the same bed, allegedly. I don't know why the family would let them do that. Like, it's obvious that they're not crunched for money. They can all pay for their own, each person have their own hotel room. Mm-hmm. Something... That would set off a little flag in my head. Yep. Little red flags going off. On May 25th, 1993, the National Enquirer publishes a story about Jackson and this relationship with Jordy and his family, and it's called Michael Jackson's Secret Family, A Millionaire's Wife and Her Two Kids, because um, Jordy's dad was wealthy, so that's who that's referring to. But it just kind of retells the story about these Toys R Us visits and Jackson taking them to Disney World and the World Music Awards and so I could see where the parents would have uh, an incentive. They're yeah. getting flown around the world, going to all these things. Yeah, and a lot of millionaire. That's the like social, the social connections that they might can get from that. Mm-hmm. It's around this time that Chandler's father, Evan Chandler, he invites Jackson to come stay at their home, which he does, and. He starts to become suspicious and see some odd things going on where he thinks... "Mm." Some weird stuff between Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. and Jordy. Right. Uh, And what he saw was that they were sleeping in the same bed together. 
which he said they were close, but they were sleeping in the same bed together. So he was worried that there was sexual misconduct happening. Which, Finally, somebody. I mean, now you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Took, took you a while. Around this time, Jordy has his biological dad, his biological mom, set of step parents. They're having a custody battle over Jordy. So Evan signs Jordy up to see a psychiatrist whose name which is... Which is normal for that process, like mm-hmm. when, you're, when kids are going well, through a divorce. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it would be. So good on him for you know, yeah. seeking out help. But the psychiatrist's name is Dr. Mathis. Is that how you say that? I think so. Mathis. Dr. Mathis Abrams. And they have a three-hour session in which Jordy allegedly claims that J- Michael Jackson sexually abused him. And we won't go into detail... Yeah. on what those exact allegations are, but but he, he said it to someone. Yes. <laughs> and because he said it to someone, the doctor had to notify the child, the Department of Children's Services, who in turn called LAPD and set off an investigation that just worldwide pandemonium over this. Yeah, uh, now, gets now it's public. It's mm-hmm. gone from a psychiatrist's office to a police investigation. Yes. At this time, Jackson is in Thailand, and he is preparing to kick off the last leg of his Dangerous World tour. And this is when the first reports come on air of these allegations, and the first report was actually on KNBC in Los Angeles. In the same piece, the LA Times wrote that the police had searched Jackson's home, the Neverland Ranch, and his condominium in Century City, and there was nothing just immediately clear that pointed to sexual misconduct. So no, like we said in the beginning, no solid evidence was found. Obviously, Michael Jackson hires an attorney, an investigator, his own investigator, all of that. His private investigator says that these claims, these allegations were all just a ploy to um, extort Michael Jackson for his money. Which I mean, I can see that, but also, isn't his? Isn't their family already? They're already millionaires. Yes, that's so. But we could all. You could always use more. It doesn't money. matter how much money you have. You're always going to want more. Mm-hmm. His private investigator said, "For years, I have been working for Michael, who unfortunately has been the victim of this and other ex- extortion attempts. A demand for twenty million was made and presented. It was flatly and consistently refused. The refusals have, been, in our opinion, caused what has transpired in the last few days." Jackson's lawyer eventually comes forward and reads a statement from Jackson, who's in Thailand, remember? Oh, yeah, he's across the country. Jackson said that he was confident that the police will conduct a fair and thorough investigation, and its results will demonstrate that there was no wrongdoing on my part. Okay? On August 26, 1993, Jordy's allegations leaked to the public, and LA Times posted this the the leaking of these details, which I thought would be against the law. I didn't think that a minor, what he told someone in confidence, you they could leak and get away with it. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But I guess when you're when the story involves somebody famous, mm-hmm. people will do whatever they want. I guess these documents allegedly uh, said that. Chandler was pressured, Jordy was pressured into not speaking of the relationship to anyone. It's quoted as saying, Minor stated Mr. Jackson told Minor that Minor would go to Juvenile Hall if he told, and they'd be both be in trouble. 
And then another part says, Miner also said Mr. Jackson told him about the other boys he'd done this with, but he didn't go as far with them. So maybe the maybe the allegations were leaked, but they took the name out. Right. Because it, it just kept saying Miner. So but everybody they, knew at this point who he was yeah. talking about because Jordy was pretty famous at this point. Yeah. Nearly a week after the police came and searched Neverland Ranch, the LA Times reported that videotapes seized in the, invest- in the investigation did not contain any incriminating information. Video so again, what were on these video? I guess they videotaped the ranch. Yeah. And, um, there was, like touring the ranch mm-hmm. and stuff. And there was, again, no solid evidence that, which I don't know what they were looking for, but. I know, I was just, that's why I keep thinking, I'm like, what? Maybe porn of, magazine, I, I, stuff like that. Yeah. Ew. Um, handcuffs, weird, Ew. weird things. I'm sorry. That's just not. That's the only thing I could think of. Without any physical evidence to build this criminal case, authorities focused on interviewing other children associated with Jackson, and just the fact that that there even are other children associated. There are with other children, and there's this list of children they can go talk to is not creepy. Mm-hmm. So in doing so they find and this is important for for later mr wade robson you know did you ever watch that show on, on tv the famous choreographer he choreographed and sync and britney had the dance oh, show no. that's him oh and but he was 10 at the time mm-hmm, okay and brett barnes both defended the singer at this time and wade was quoted as saying sure i slept with him a dozen of occasions but the bed we shared was huge he sleeps on one side i sleep on the other and this is important because both Wade Robson and Brett Barnes, after Michael Jackson's death, would come forward and say that he, in fact, did sexually abuse them. Yeah, because, listen, okay, the bed was huge. They slept on opposite sides of the bed. You're a millionaire. You have eight rooms mm-hmm. and two guest houses. There's no reason for y'all to be sleeping in the same bed. Like, There's just not mm-hmm. any other logical reason. There's a reason. I mean, there's a but reason, it's but not it's, a not, good, it's not. It's not a nice it, reason. Yeah, it's not a good reason. It's not a pure reason. In July of 1993, Jordan Chandler's parents, Jordy's. Sorry, mm-hmm. I keep going back and forth. <laughs> we should Jordan, call him Jordy. Um, they're in the middle of this custody battle, and Jordy's stepfather, his name was Dave Schwartz, secretly records a phone conversation with Jordy's biological father. Which is illegal. But, mm, okay. Yeah. Whatever. A lot of illegal things people, are going on. Yeah. People are doing whatever they can to win this this case. And in this recording, it is uh, Jordy's dad said, "There will be a massacre if I don't get what I want." And I think you can find those recordings online. There were just a bunch of sketchy things he said that made it sound like this was an exploitation mm-hmm. situation to get Michael Jackson's money. Okay. Does he want Michael Jackson's money or does he want his son? Because like. You're in a custody battle for your son. Which right. one is more important to you? People, Hollywood, Hollywood, money, greed. At this point, Jackson is now in Moscow for his dangerous world He's just tour, still touring. Tour. He's still going around. He's doing He's what like, he can. Thailand, Moscow, mm-hmm. I'll catch up with y'all later. <laughs> Jordy's parents finally file a civil lawsuit alleging that the singer in quotes, repeatedly committed sexual battery on their son. And per the LA Times, the suit claims that Jackson, in a, I'm going to say, inappropriately touched Chandler and performed other acts on him. And Jackson's team at this time is still maintaining that this is an extortion plot. So they yeah. filed the, the lawsuit. You can go read the lawsuit claims for more specific mm-hmm. detail if you yeah. would like. I just, we'll keep I it. I don't like those words. Yeah, Let's, yeah I don't either. 
In the months following the allegations, several of Jackson's former employees, the most famous being his his ex-housemaid, Blanca Francia, she came forward and did several interviews with tabloids saying that she saw a new Jackson showering in a jacuzzi with boys and that she also observed the singer having inappropriate contact with her own son. But according to GQ, Francia is paid $20,000 for her segment in the tabloid. And then later, when she testifies in court under deposition, she said that she never actually witnessed Jackson shower with anyone and Jackson and the boys... Um, when they were swimming in the pool, they always had their clothes on. So she just did it for the money. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Now, this this is, if you're kind of on the fence of where your feelings lie, this next part is just, I do feel bad for him. I don't know if I should say that. On December 20th, 1993, police conduct a strip search on Jackson where they take photos of Jackson's nude body to see if his genitals match the description given by Jordy Chandler. Okay. I did not even know that was I didn't know you could thing. do that. Yeah. So if he is innocent, that I cannot, like, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. How humiliating to have, I just. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't. Yeah. And especially being. Also, well, when, did it match? Right. Did the description match? Probably not. No, also, no. N- nope. Hannah, Hannah censoring me. I won't say what I was about to say. Nope. Nope. Well, we'll just move on. On December 22nd. <laughs> so, two days after Jackson makes his first public appearance where he talks about the allegations, he had to cancel the final month of the Dangerous World Tour. Because everything that's going on. And so via satellite call from Neverland Ranch, he said that the accusations were totally false and that he's totally innocent of any wrongdoing. He said that they served a search warrant on me, which allowed them to view and photograph my body, including my penis, buttocks, and lower torso, thighs, and any other area they wanted. It was the most humiliating ordeal of my life. Well, yeah, that does sound... I mean... Also, being a celebrity and the chance that those photos would leak, like, yeah. the anxiety I would have that my junk would be all over the internet. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that would, that would not be pleasant. Despite all of Jackson's allegations that Jordy and his family are have this extortion scheme going, the prosecutor did not bring any charges against uh, Jordy's family for extortion. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I would think that they would have evidence of that, but yeah, apparently if, not. Yeah. You would think that there's either evidence for the um, sexual misconduct mm-hmm. or there's evidence that they made it all up. Right. So it just so, kind of disappeared. <clears throat> right. Finally, on January 25th, 1994, Jackson settles um, outside of court. They settle... And the Jordy and his family were given $20 million, $15 million placed in a trust fund for Jordan Chandler, $1.5 million for each of the boy's parents, and $5 million for the lawyer. The Dang. resolution, they said that, Michael's team said the resolution of this case is in no way an admission of guilt by Michael Jackson, but even though the civil set, suit is settled, the criminal investigation continued. 
So he probably just did that to end it, whether mm-hmm. it's true or not. Like, I would want to end that whole process. Right. Here's but, the money. I but, got a lot of it. But then it just kept going, mm-hmm. so they kept investigating. So they police did continue to investigate Michael Jackson, and the prosecutors eventually announced that they would not be filing criminal charges against the pop star. Uh, according to the New York Times, the district attorney for L.A. and Santa Barbara County say that they opted against pursuing charges because they learned that Jordy Chandler, the primary alleged victim, did not want to testify in court. And he said that if Jordy wanted to change his mind and wanted to testify, they would reexamine the case. But because of yeah, this... They can't, they can't do anything if the victim won't yeah. be part of it. Right. So... Jackson responds to this in a new statement and said, I am thankful that the investigation has reached a conclusion. I continually maintain my innocence. I am grateful to all my family, friends, and fans who have stood by me and also believed in my innocence. And that was all in 19... Early 90s. Early 90s. Mm -hmm. 94. So we probably... I was four years old, so... Yeah. And you were younger than that, so... Three and four years old. So this is where we're going to end this week. Because it's we got some more story. It's too too much for one episode. Mentally, yeah, we, yes, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we decided we were going to split this episode into two. So next week we'll give a we'll continue we'll continue this with part of the story. Michael Jackson's story because yeah. there is more. Is the, the thing of the thing. That's the thing. And we will also be discussing his death slash murder slash whatever. Lots of conspiracy, right? So. We'll give you next week, we'll kind of recap what we talked about this week, and then we'll give you part two of Peter Pan and and Michael Jackson. Jackson. And like we said earlier, just want to reiterate that. I feel like I should do one of those little um, disclaimers that in the disclaimer voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, These are all allegations. We're just telling you what happened. We don't have an opinion either. Well, if we do have an opinion, we're not going to tell you. And don't sue us. Yeah. Um, just bringing you some information. You can do with it what you will, but we do have more information for you next week. Mm-hmm. So tune in to Scary Tales Podcast wherever you find your podcasts, wherever you like to listen. You can find us on Instagram at Scary Tale Podcast. Um, if you're not following us on Instagram, you're missing a lot. You're you're missing a lot. We we posted some day in the life stories today. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped my Chipotle, or Chase dropped my Chipotle on the ground. We've got some good stories for you over there, just, you know, giving you some of the behind the scenes. And we'd love to hear from you. So follow us at Scary Tales Podcast on Instagram. Listen, like, subscribe. Patreon. Check us out there. Check us out on Patreon. We've got some bonus episodes mm-hmm. that you can listen to on Patreon for less than the price of a cup of coffee. Right. And that should tide you over until? Until next time. Until next time. Thanks for listening. And L-Y-S-M. Love you so much. Love you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.